I had several sermons started, and I just wasn't crazy about any of them. I just didn't think that it was what God wanted me to say. I prayed, and I said, God, I need you to give me a word for your people. So um, he woke me up in the middle of the night because that's what he does, right? <laughs> he woke me up in the middle of the night and gave me a word, and so I began doing a little voice memo on my phone or writing some notes on my phone at like 3.30 in the morning. And so I believe that this word is for someone in this house. So I'm always I'm, uh, excited to preach, but I'm especially excited today because I feel like someone in this house needs to hear it. So today we're going to be reading from Genesis 37, 3 through 11, if you want to follow along. Now Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age. And he made a long-sleeved robe for him. And when his brothers saw that, that their father loved him more than all his other brothers, they hated him. And they could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. So then Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. There we were binding sheaves of grain in the field. Suddenly my sheaf stood up and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed to my sheaf. Are you really going to reign over us? His brothers asked him. Are you really going to rule us? So they hated him even more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told his brothers, Look, he said, I had another dream and this time the sun, moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. And he told his father and brothers and his father rebuked him and said, What kind of dream is this that you have had? He said, Am I and your mother and your brothers really going to come and bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the matter in mind. Joseph was a dreamer, okay? He was a dreamer. And if I had to title my sermon, Delayed Dream, a delayed dream. So we're going to focus on a couple of different points from this passage that I just read, as well as a few others. But I want to make note from the very beginning that Joseph was sharing his dreams with his brothers, and the dreams that he was sharing were of God about his future, okay? So the dreams that he was sharing, God had given him these dreams. God had given him this promise about his future. And one of them was that there were binding sheaves of grain in the field. If you don't know what a, a sheave of grain is, it's simply um, a bundle of ripe grain. Okay, that's all it is. It's just a bundle of grain. There were binding sheaves of grain, and one sheaf stood up, and then the other sheaves around it bowed down to that sheaf. And then the other one, he had another dream that he said, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to him. We're going to talk about his dream in a little bit, but I want to say first off that I hope and pray that you have a vision or a dream or a promise that God has given you in this time. And it could be a dream or a promise or a plan in regards to your life. It can be a dream or a promise in regards to your family. It might be a dream or a promise that God has given you about your purpose, right? All the things. So hopefully you have a dream or a promise that God has given you, right? And sometimes 
he might speak directly to you. Joseph, um, you know, had these dreams and it was, uh, you know, it was of God and he spoke to Joseph and said, okay, this is the dream. But other dreams or plans might come along a little bit slower as you begin to walk with him and form a relationship with him. And then that dream begins to, to come to pass and rise up in you, right? And then as you begin to know him more, you begin to know his plan a little bit more. So it just depends. But when God speaks to your heart, it can be exciting exciting, right? But it can also be a little bit scary sometimes. And sometimes it can also be a little bit unbelievable, right? When God speaks to your heart or gives you a promise. It has been, I don't know, 10 or 15 years I've lost count, so Ronnie can tell you. So my nephew who is playing the drums, who typically sits right here on this pew here, it was about 10 or 15 years ago that I sat right there and God spoke to my heart. I was praying and I was worshiping God and God spoke to my heart and he said, Ronnie will have a testimony and he will lead people to Christ, right? That was what God spoke to my heart in that time. Well, you might say that's not really unbelievable, Well, I'll tell you, when he spoke that to my heart, he was an addict, and I think he was in jail for the third or fourth time. I don't remember which one it was. But I'm telling you, when he spoke that to my heart, it seemed a little bit unbelievable. I didn't believe that the addict that uh, had called me a few days before that was digging out of trash cans for food, I didn't know that he was going to be a testimony for Christ, right? And so sometimes our dreams are a little bit unbelievable. And you, sometimes we want to go to God and, and, and we, we've got these dreams and and we want to share. Uh, we want to share our dreams. We want to tell. We want to tell the promise uh, of God to others, right? And uh, or that something that God has placed on our hearts. And I know that uh, many times before. I've shared that when I had this feeling that I was called to preach his word, that for a long time I didn't tell anybody. I didn't even tell my husband. And I thought, well, is this really, you know, is this really real? You know, could this be so? Because I know you don't know me, but I don't know, some of you don't know me when I was young, but I would probably rather throw up than talk to you because I was so shy. People don't believe that, but it was true, right? And so I thought, is this true? Is this real? Could it be? And so finally I shared with my husband, and then when we began that and we began to to pray about it and then finally you know I told pastor after a couple of years even I think and then I know I, I think I've shared before that when I told him he said well I'm, fi- I'm glad you finally realized it but what I'm getting at is that sometimes when you have a dream you have to be careful who you tell it to you know sometimes when you have a dream or a promise of God you have to be careful who you share it with because not everyone is going to encourage you and not everyone is going to be happy for you and see sometimes there might even be people who discourage you from your dreams or sometimes it might be people who just question how you're going to fulfill it or wonder why you wouldn't want to just stay in the position that you're in or the place or the stature that you're in right so sometimes people will ask and other times the people will wonder how the dream is going to affect them. Well, you have this dream or this call on your life, or you have a a promise or a purpose from God. Well, how's that going to affect me? What's going to happen when, when that comes to fruition? What about me? And so sometimes people make things more about them than what uh, the, God, the dream that God has shared, right? And then sometimes people may just brush it off, right? But when Joseph shared his dream with his brothers, they automatically made it about them. They automatically made it about them and began to say, 
because of their jealousy, they made the dream become negative, right? Made it become negative and about them. And have you ever shared something with someone and you were excited about it? And then somebody just made it all about themselves. I'm like, I just told you something personal, something exciting for me. And all of a sudden the conversation has shifted to how it's going to affect you. People will do that. So you have to be careful about who you tell your promise to, who you tell your dream to, right? And that's what had happened here. He told his brothers uh, about a promise, about a dream that God had given, and they were just jealous and they couldn't see what it really was, right? Because in reality, Joseph's dreams were about God making Joseph a great leader of a nation. He was going to be a great leader and how he would eventually prepare a nation to survive a famine. But the path to greatness was not the dream that Joseph had in mind. The path to become the great leader that he was, that he dreamed of, was definitely not a dream at the time. Because at the time, it really seemed like more of a nightmare. Because a few things that he had to endure after giving the dream was that he was betrayed by his brothers. He was thrown in a well to die. He was sold into slavery. He was brought to Egypt where he was sold to Potiphar, one of the Pharaoh's ministers. And then he was sent to prison for being wrongfully accused. There he is. He has these dreams of being a great leader, a dream where the objects and sun and moon are bowing down to him. Yet, in Genesis chapter 37, verse 23, the word says, When Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped off Joseph's robe, this long-sleeved robe that he had on, and they took him and they threw him into the pit, and the pit was empty without water. And they sold him to slavery. I feel like Joseph was not anticipating the turn of direction. I feel like he was not expecting to be thrown into a pit and then sold into slavery by his brothers. And I could almost see him in the pit. I could almost see him in the well without food or water. And he had been stripped of his robe. See, his robe was a representation. He had been given the robe by his uh, father. And the robe was a representation of legacy. It was a robe of a representation for his birthright. It was the robe of representation that he was going to be a leader amongst his family. Right? But I'm telling you, the robe, they stripped it from him. They took it off of him. And they I threw him in the well. So I feel like one day he's walking along and he's telling his brothers about a dream, a good dream that God had given him, that things were going to bow to him. And then the next thing you know, he's stripped of everything that he knows and he's naked and he's in a pit. He's in a well, right? And his future is just gone for just a, a bleak moment. And I can almost see him and I can almost hear him shouting his brother's name for them to help him some way. He's shouting, uh, uh, Judah, help me. Don't, don't leave me here in this pit. Reuben, help me. Levi, somebody have mercy on me. Don't leave me in this pit. Simeon, I'm your brother. Help me. Don't 
he just suffered in silence because so many times that's what we do because when you're in a certain position and you're in a certain stature and you're supposed to be this way and that way when things don't go just right sometimes we just suffer silently and we just sit there and we're like what is going to happen or maybe he didn't do either of those maybe he just talked to God maybe he cried out to God maybe he had a conversation with him and said God you have given me this dream you have given me this dream and here I am sitting in a pit I don't see how this dream is going to come to happen because I'm sitting in a pit and I'm naked and and I'm scared right and so we don't know. So here we go. He's, he, he might be telling him, I'm your son. I'm a dreamer. You gave me a plan. But here, look at me. What good is this plan when I'm sitting here and I have nothing, right? So I'm telling you, he was right here in the pit and, and nothing was around him. He didn't have anything. He'd been stripped of everything. And then over here, he was got the promise of God, the dream of God that God had given him. But I'm telling you, it was a long road. It was a long journey from the time that he was in the pit it was a long journey from the time that he got over here to the dream right it was a journey and a lot of things happened in that time period matter of fact it didn't happen overnight it took him 22 years for that dream to come to fruition it could, took 22 years for that dream to happen. And it was just the beginning of a lot of heartache and trials. And he goes on to being sold in slavery and then being wrongly accused by his master's wife. And the dream at that time was just a dream. It was nothing more. It was just a dream. He had been favored and he was a dreamer and he went to a slave. And it took a turn fast, right? He took a fast turn. And the next thing you know, he stripped in in a pit. Because sometimes when God puts a desire in our hearts, it may look like the circumstances are taking us in the exact opposite direction. And that's when the panic and the doubt sets in. But God's ways are always better than our ways. And God knows. And I feel certainly, I feel certain that Joseph was desperately praying that circumstances could change. I think he was even praying to God in that pit. God, I need you to rescue me. God, I, I need to get out of this pit. And then when the Ishmaelites came to take him, I feel like he was like, God, don't, don't let them take me away from my family. I need to get back to my family. I don't want to be in this pit. I don't want to be stripped. I, I, I'm, your, I, I'm your guy. I'm your guy. I need, you, I need you to rescue me from this. I feel like he was talking to God. Have you ever prayed so desperately? God, I need you to change this circumstance. God, I need you to show up. I need you to show up. Because God, you have given me a dream and you have given me a hope and a plan and a path and a design. And right now, I'm sitting in a pit and I'm scared and I need you to see me through. I feel like he was praying and I feel like at the time he was thinking, this dream is unbelievable, right? This dream is unbelievable. This plan you gave me, the plan that you said would happen, it's not happening. And I'm just sitting here, and I'm just waiting, and I'm hurting, and I'm tired, 
and nothing is happening. But every single step of Joseph's journey, every single circumstance, every single trial prepared him for his dream. Every circumstance prepared him and was a stepping stone to the fulfillment of a promise. If God had answered Joseph's cries to be saved, he would have saved him a lot of pain, right? I mean, if he had answered his cries right then, he could have saved him right where he was, and he would have saved him a lot of pain and agony. But if he'd saved him in the pit, then it might have been a roadblock to get to his promise, right? It might have been a roadblock to get to his promise. So, so many times when we're crying out, our faces are down and bowed before the throne of God and saying, I don't know, God. I don't know what you're going to do. I am in the pit. And I don't know how you're going to fix it. I don't know what's going to happen. We have to trust that he's giving us a stepping stone to the promise to the promise. He could have been saved right then, but it may have been a roadblock to his destiny. And there wasn't anything wrong with the dream. The dream was of God. God gave Joseph the word. He gave it to him, right? There wasn't anything wrong with it. He just had to wait on God's timing for it to come into fruition. There wasn't anything wrong with the word. There wasn't anything wrong with the promise. He just had to wait on God's timing. And so sometimes when we find ourselves in the pit and stripped of everything or or wrongly accused or whatever it might be at the time, we have to trust in him and know that maybe it's his plan for us to be there for a season because he has something greater for us at another time, right? And sometimes... God has to remove people, resources, and other things in our lives to remind us how much we relied on those things, how much we relied on those things. I don't know how many years ago it was. It was probably seven years ago or so. We decided we were going to go on a girls' trip. So myself, my sister, the girls, and my mom decided we were going to go to Florida, just us girls, okay? So we're driving the van, we're going to go down for the week for just us. Typically, when we go on, you know, family vacations, like, for the most part, I mean, not as much now, because we have to travel with Aaron Beth a lot, that she's gotten older, but back in the day, you know, when the kids were younger, like, every vacation we went on, Thad went, obviously, we go on vacations together. But this particular vacation, he didn't go because we were doing a girls' trip, right? And so when we go on vacation on the regular, right, um, Thad gets everything ready with the car before. So he checks all the tires, he checks the oil, the, all the things. He gets gas, he, make, he has the navigation. He's ready to go. Like he knows where we're going, all the things. So he drives. As we go down, he gets the gas. He gets all the things, you know, whatever. Before we go, he packs the the vehicle up with all the stuff and you can imagine at one time we had three kids at home and all the jazz and he even uh you know pack up the van and go so he would do the packing 
And then when we get there, you know, lots of times we'd stay at a condo, and so he would be the one that grills. And then when we went down to the beach, you know, he would take the cooler down and, and do all of that. And I'm telling you what, I found that when I go on vacation without Thad, it's a lot of work. <laughs> So he does a lot of those things, right? But it was really funny because, you know, we had been on numerous vacations before. And I never realized how much I relied on and depended on him to do those things until I had to do them myself. So I uh, was reliant and, and depending on him and as much as I obviously love him being there, you know, for all the reasons, I mean, that was one of them too, doesn't know. <laughs> so <laughs> he gets invited on more vacations now, no. <laughs> but um, I was reliant on him, right? And so sometimes we become reliant on every other thing except God, on every other thing. We rely on our jobs, we rely on our plans, we rely on our money, we rely on our friends, we rely on our family, we rely on our church, we rely on all the things except for God, right? And God wants us to be completely reliant on him. So sometimes he has to put us in positions where we realize that we need him more than anything else. So Joseph had lost his family. He'd lost his home. He'd lost everything and been stripped of everything, and he had to rely on God. And Joseph endured betrayal. He endured the pit, slavery, all the things, jail, but he trusted in God, and he made it to the palace. He made it to be the leader that God told him and gave him his dream and gave him his promise that he would be, right? And so there he actually saved a nation from famine, and he ruled for 80 years, and at one point he even showed his brother's forgiveness. Not only does God fulfill his promise of, you're, I know you're in this pit right now, and I know your brothers hate you, and I know that they did this unforgivable act, right? And not only did they take him to over here to the promise where he was a, a leader of nations and all that, not only that, but he also uh, fulfills another promise. It says, when Joseph had been made governor, he was overwhelmed. And in Genesis 41, 51, he said, God had made me forget all my hardship and my father's house. He said, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm here. I've made it to the dream. I have made it to the promise. And now I'm going to forget all the hardship that's happened. I'm going to forget the way that my family treated me. I'm going to forget that I was in slavery. I'm I'm going to forget that I had to go this road for 22 years before I got to the palace, right? Until I became the, the governor and, and over Egypt, he was willing to forget all of that. And then I tell you what, though, then after that, because God does what only he can do. So he gave him his promise. But every single time you think a promise has come to fruition, God says, wait a minute, I'm going to give you more. I'm going to give you more. Just like that old school uh, show that they would say and wait there's more so you get this prize but open up door number two because you're going to get another one and then you get this prize but hold on I got another dream for you I got another promise for you I got another something that's going to come to fruition because I am God and I'm on the throne and I will give you 
things that you deserve and that I have given to you and give God a hand clap of praise. Amen in this place. Yes. Yes. So he says there's more blessing and there's more love and there's more dreams and there's more promises, but I need you to trust in me. I need you to trust that this is the dream and this is the plan and the promise is coming, but it might just be a little delayed, right? It might just be a little delayed because I'm telling you, there was a time in my life that I wasn't standing here in this place. There was a time in my life when I was running away from God. And I tell you what, my mama had been given a promise. And she stood on it. My mama had been had given a promise that I would serve God and that her family would serve God. And I'm just going to give you a little heads up that every a lot of folks in this row right here have been prayed over because my mama said, I have a promise. And I'm going to keep on. And there was a time that I was running away, but I was a promise and it would bear to say that most of the people in this place and these pews are sitting here because God gave somebody a promise that you would serve him we're in this place today because God gave somebody a promise stand on his word stand on his promise trust in him it's kind of like a thought about a traffic jam and or sometimes you've got your delayed flights. You're sitting in traffic and I was talking to Jane and Dwayne earlier and they said, oh, the, they went out of town for their anniversary and they had to sit in traffic for a while. And, you know, we travel quite a bit and if we have to sit in traffic, I, my husband is amazing. He has road rage, though. I'll just go ahead and throw that out there. But yeah, nobody likes to sit in traffic. It's a delay, Right. And when you go places, if you have a flight, especially when you have kids, I mean, man, when you've got kids and your flight's delayed, it's one thing if it's just you two, or, but when you got little ones and you're going to have to sit in the airport for another couple of hours, that's the worst, right? It's a delay. Like, you've got plans, right? You're going on vacation. You're supposed to get somewhere, and you're all ready to go. You're ready to be at the beach. You're ready to be at the pool or a cruise or whatever it is, and, like, you're on your way there, like you're on your way, like you're in the car, you're at the airport and you're there and you're like, okay, like I, I'm going to get there. I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for this. And then you have to wait. And you're like, oh, it's a letdown. It's a disappointment. And sometimes you can be on your way to God's promise and you're like, man, this is the road. This is like the way, like this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm headed to God's promise. I'm headed to his place. And then stand still. A delay. You have to wait. But I'm telling you, once you get there, I love a good beach vacation. Once you get there and the sun is on your face and you're enjoying the time at the beach or by the pool or with your family, because that's my favorite thing. If there was any delay, it was worth it. It was worth it. So I'm telling you, if God has put a promise on your heart, if he has given you a dream, if it's anything good, it's of God. Because the enemy's not going to give you a good dream. He's not going to give you a promise that's good. So if God has put a promise on your heart, 
and you're on your way there, but you're just delayed. It's just delayed a minute. Oh, just hold on. Don't turn around. Don't turn around. I mean, we'd be, you know, 12 hours into a 15-hour trip sitting in traffic. I'm not going to turn around and go back 12 hours. I'm going to wait it out because I want my beach time, right? So don't let go of a promise. You're in the pit here and the promise is here. Don't get right here. Don't get right here where God said, I, I am going, I'm speaking to someone's heart. I've got a dream for you and I have a promise for you and it's right here. Do not get right here and turn around. Don't get right here and turn around and head back to that pit. You need to be right here and you need to just steadfast and hold on to God and know I'm going to get to that promise. I'm going to get to that promise. And then when you get there, because God is so good, not only is he going to give you the promise, he's going to do some add-ons because he's the God of addition. He's God of addition that we can't even think of or dream or fathom. He's the God of add-on. But we need to trust him and we need to see that the dream can come true. It might just be delayed. It might just be postponed just a little bit. But don't give up. Don't give up. You have to stand on the word of God. So maybe you're in this place and you say, you know what, Kelly? I don't know God. I wouldn't even know a dream. I wouldn't even know a promise. Like, I don't even, I don't even know him. Or maybe you're in this place and you said, you know what? God has put a promise on my heart, but I feel like I'm just in this pit and I can't dig myself out. Or maybe you're right here. The promise is right there and you're just, okay, come on. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Just a, a few more miles. I can make it, right? There's just been a delay. But either way, God wants you to know him. He wants you to trust in him. And he wants you to rely on him because the promise is coming. And you can stand on his word.